1: The scary part of, you know, climbing the ladder feels like there's more troubles brought on and less satisfaction. And I like, don't vibe with that.
2: Welcome to the Best New Ideas in Money, a podcast from MarketWatch. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University.
3: And I'm Charles Passy, a reporter at MarketWatch.
2: Each week, we explore innovations in economics, finance, technology, and policy that rethink the way we live, work, spend, save, and invest.
3: The pandemic upended work life for most everyone. But for those in Gen Z who graduated from college during COVID, it might have changed the most. Some of those graduates have only ever experienced remote work. Others had a year or two in the office before work life was turned upside down. Here's Francis. Summer
4: 2020, we were working on setting up the program that work was completely remote.
3: After graduating from college, Francis took a job as a coordinator for a food distribution program in Brattleboro, Vermont.
4: As it transitioned into an in-person program, I would do the administrative stuff in the morning at home and then do the physical on-the-ground work at a location in the afternoon.
3: Francis found the remote work, combined with the pressures of the job, to be all-consuming.
4: I felt entirely disconnected from it. I think I'm pretty shy. I felt an extra level of disconnection from the people in my workplace. It felt like a significant barrier in getting to know the people I was working with. Francis was often the only employee on site. There was a lot to do, and it was kind of like, we have to keep the ship afloat. I was the only full-time employee if there was an additional pressure of, this thing will collapse if you aren't there.
3: That pressure led Francis to make an unexpected move, one that people of past generations might not have considered, but we'll come back to that. Rainsford Stauffer is the author of An Ordinary Age, Finding Your Way in a World That Expects Exceptional. She sees a few possible factors that have contributed to the pressures Gen Z is under. The pandemic is one, but the overall cultural shift to living your life on social media is another.
5: I think the background of crises that people who are in their 20s, especially their early 20s right now, have grown up with is pretty life-defining, especially when they're experiencing multiple systemic and structural failings firsthand in how they make their way in the world. The
2: ever-increasing cost of college has also contributed to the feeling that you can't afford to make a mistake.
5: A student who was working while they were pursuing a four-year college degree told me, everyone, you know, keeps telling me, it's okay if you fail, it's okay if you change your mind, don't worry about it. And what they told me very bluntly is that, no, I can't afford to retake these classes. It does matter if I fail. I can't afford to change my mind. And to me, I think that example illustrates so much is that what people are craving is a baseline of feeling like they're going to be supported, that they're going to be stable, that they have value regardless of their work output that a lot of people just aren't getting right now.
2: The economic reality is different now than it was when the millennial generation joined the workforce. The Pew Research Center defines the generations this way. Anyone born between 1981 and 1996 is considered a millennial, and anyone born from 1997 to 2012 is part of the Gen Z generation, or Zoomers as they're sometimes called. So someone born in 1997 would be 25 and the oldest in the Gen Z
6: cohort. These are important distinctions, by the way, between Gen Zers and millennials. So I'm a millennial. I'm 35. I walked out of college in 2008. And one of the things that was very different now, the job market was much worse for millennials at that time than it is for Gen Z's now.
2: Callum Borshers is a reporter at The Wall Street Journal. He says the Gen Zers have some advantages thanks to the current labor market.
6: I mean, the competition for talent is pretty tight. It's also higher level. I was speaking, for example, with a recruiter at one of the big three consulting companies. They, like several of their competitors, have raised their salary floor to over $100,000 for fresh undergrads, not the MBAs. So there's tremendous leverage uh, that some of these new workers have that uh, other folks didn't enjoy several years ago.
2: In spite of a favorable labor market, Gen Z has its own challenges.
6: They do want to do mission-driven work, but they have so many financial obligations. They've got crushing student loan debt in a lot of cases. We are living in inflationary times. The cost of living, cost of housing um, is very, very high.
3: There also seems to be a shift within the current generation of young workers. They question what they value in a career.
6: One of the things that shows up consistently in surveys of of Gen Zers and millennials to a degree too is a desire to work for companies that align with their values. So you're not just saying, I'm going to get a paycheck and I don't really care what my company stands for. You have Gen Zs who've really come of age in the midst of some very powerful social movements.
3: But Borscher sees evidence in recent data that economic pressure and maybe life experience could be making some Gen Zers a little less idealistic.
6: Deloitte for example does some very good good polling of thousands of Gen Zers every year. A year ago for example, they asked Gen Zers what's the most concerning thing to you right now. Climate change came in at number 1, not a huge surprise. But fast forward to this year, cost of living is now the number 1 concern ahead of climate change. So so they're feeling that personal pressure in a way that they didn't a year ago. Along the similar lines, you know, a year ago, almost half of Gen Zers, 49% said, I'm going to be really picky about the kind of company I'm willing to work for, the type of work I'm willing to do based on my personal ethics. Well, this year, that number fell from 49% to 37%. So still a sizable chunk, but down double digits year over year. And so I think what that tells you is you've got more Gen Zers who are actually in the workforce. It's not a theoretical question for them anymore.
2: In that same survey, Gen Z workers chose new jobs based on work-life balance and learning opportunities and mentorship over salary, which was ranked third. Hannah, a Gen Z interior designer in New Mexico, has been frustrated with a lack of guidance at her job, especially in
1: a work-from-home environment. Nobody wants to mentor anymore. So, like, sometimes I feel kind of like that picture of the dog walking himself. Like he has a leash in his mouth and he's just taking himself on a walk. And I'm like, yeah, I'm that dog. I don't understand why, like, so many companies promote that they are about continuing ed and education and bettering. And their version of that is like, yeah, we're going to throw you into the fire and see if you'll survive. Hannah has
2: observed that there's a generational split in attitudes about work expectations in her office. She says she works with a lot of Gen Xers. That's one generation before millennials.
1: They like, feel like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I don't want anything new. And I've been doing stuff like this for like 20 plus years and don't break my stuff. And it's a lot of I, I, I and not we.
3: The pressure to get things right the first time and excel also seems to be at an all-time high.
2: Francis, the food distribution coordinator we heard from at the top of the show, decided that a less high-pressure job might be a better fit.
4: At the end of the day, that job and that type of work really left me feeling very burnt out. It kind of consumed my entire life, and so I quit, and I moved, and I worked at a soap store for a minute, and now I work at a coffee shop slash deli slash um, small grocery store, which is pretty close to my house.
3: The disillusionment that Francis and Hannah described may be a generational shift, and it's one that's been exacerbated by entering the workforce during an unprecedented crisis.
7: So many of these workers also started working remotely. Many of them have never physically met their coworkers in person. That kind of overall contributes to this disattachment to work. Many people have tried to divest from making work their entire identity.
3: That's Terry Nguyen. She recently wrote about Gen Z workers for Vox.
7: They aren't really bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about work, although um, they certainly realize that it is a necessity and they want to be in a space where they feel respected and they feel that they're being actively, like, compensated for their work.
1: Hannah, the interior designer, agrees. I don't dream of labor, but I want to get up in the morning and work. I want a purpose. I think ambition's a little trite sometimes. I would... Be lying if I said I wasn't an ambitious person, but I, like, am not a fan of the LinkedIn girl boss ambition trend personality because I think a lot of it is just another flashy facade.
2: Rainsford Stauffer thinks that many of these workers are looking to reframe ambition as just one of life's goals rather than a total identity.
5: Instead of do you have ambition being the dominant question, it's what you're ambitious for. And what I've heard, not just from young people on this, but kind of people in general, is a true change in the calculus of what is worthy of our ambition, our imagination and our striving. I just spoke to someone who has gotten really into gardening over the course of the last two years and their ambition right now, as they told it to me, is to grow enough tomatoes to give out to all of their neighbors.
2: Questioning personal goals
4: and ambition itself changed Barista Francis's path. Something kind of clicked where I realized I didn't have to find value in what people think to be a career. And I could find value in my social life and um, the people I love and the things I like doing. And I do want to say that obviously there is value in in working service like it's a very it's a hard job and it's a hard industry to work in and i don't mean to dismiss that in any way but personally allows me to focus on different things in my life than previous work i've done
3: Hannah has found that her job at the architecture firm also makes her question her identity
1: Now there's been this weird boundary where you know if design is my job And design, like, is so tied to who I am, then like, is my job tied to who I am? And I just don't feel that anymore. That's, I think, been a really big, like, wake up call is like, like, I just don't feel like my job holds so much to like, who I am anymore now, which is probably a good thing. But it's also like, kind of sad. For Rainsford Stoffer, the idea that your identity and
2: ambition is tied to your job may be lost forever.
5: I think that the idea of ambition being this rigid, climbing a ladder, achieve these things in this order and you'll be happy myth, I think that that is gone. And I think that that is a good thing. I think that we need a far more expansive definition of what it means To strive for something, to invest energy in something, and to reimagine something, than our old definition of ambition was giving us.
2: Interior designer Hannah
1: agrees. Not that I'm trying to save the world. It would be cool, but you know, that's a little overly ambitious. But you know, like how am I contributing to the world or my community?
3: Workers like Hannah are redefining what a career means to them. But for many Gen Zers who started new jobs during the pandemic, just redefining a day at the office has been a challenge. We'll hear more about that after the break.
2: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Best New Ideas in Money. Before the break, we heard about how Gen Zers, the newest entrants to the workforce, think about the role that work plays in their lives. Remote work proved challenging for many who were new to the labor force, but they found ways to adapt. Instead of finding social connections in an office, Gen Z has turned to online communities to share work experiences and advice.
3: And some people are using social media not just to network and pick up ideas on how to find work, but also how to leave their jobs. Here's Vox's Terry Nguyen.
7: I was on this uh, section of TikTok called Quit Talk, which is where people go to explain their plan for quitting their job, why they're quitting their job, or they've already quit their job and they're, you know, trying to figure out their life afterwards. I kind of saw a variety of attitudes towards work. A lot of these young people are just entering the workplace. They're also having conversations about how to negotiate for a better salary, for example. They're also talking about how to switch industries and whether a certain job is as great as it looks like online.
3: Nguyen sees a trend of Gen Zers wanting to be their own bosses. According to a recent study, 62% of Gen Zers say they have started or plan to start their own businesses. That's more than any other generation.
7: What was interesting to me was that a lot of people were reflecting, as one should during very unprecedented times, as to kind of their purpose in life. And some of this is reflected in hobbies. Um, And in some cases, people began starting businesses out of their own passion projects. There are more businesses being started by Americans, I think, in 2021 than in the past decade. And so it really does show um, this desire to kind of like take charge or take control of one's life and to be one's boss. That push to start
2: your own business might be inspired by what looks to be a higher degree of uncertainty in jobs that used to be more reliable long-term bets.
7: This sort of thread between employers watching out for employees has kind of declined over the past several decades. There's no longer the institutional loyalty. There was a study that described it as layoff anxiety among millennials and Gen Zers who feel that if their company is facing financial downturn, um, they worry that they might be the first to be let go.
3: In more corporate work situations, employers have also had to adapt. Only 19% of Gen Zers in 2018 reported having ever held a job. That's compared to 30% of millennials. Holly Schrote is a professor at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business.
0: And what it means is that your Gen Zs are not workforce ready. So they have no idea what it is like to spend eight hours uh, on the job and also to have a boss, and what it means to have a relationship with a boss. Many of my business school students think their boss is going to be their friend, where they can text the boss anytime on weekends.
3: Schroet also consults with companies interested in better understanding generational differences. She says what employers need to offer their youngest workers is structure.
0: Well, Gen Zs are actually very achievement-oriented. They want to reach benchmarks the challenges are that uh, many of them have grown up with a checklist, because we even do that in college, but when they get to the workplace, uh, there's no checklist for them and they're not prepared for that. But you can't take someone who doesn't have any work experience or very little and expect them to know what to do when I mean, there's a lot of ambiguities in the work world.
2: Schroth says it's also a mistake to oversell in the job description. She says employers feel pressure to make a job sound exciting and fun. But if you leave out the routine tasks, an employee might feel deceived.
0: They make the job sound really great because they want them to sign on with them. And then the new job candidate realizes it's not everything you said, and then they want to quit right right away. So I've been trying to convince companies to give a realistic job preview. Here are some of the great things. These are things that you may not find interesting, but if you stick with it, we'll give you more interesting work as you grow but they have to be
7: realistic.
3: Terry Nguyen says flexibility is a common expectation that Gen Z workers have of their employers.
7: I do think a notable trend is just that a lot of Zoomers I spoke with said that it was just really important for their workplace to have flexibility and understand that they might not want to be in the office five days a week. And I think more and more companies are realizing that and allowing for a more hybrid, flexible work schedule. But I do think there is this desire still to bring workers back in the office.
2: But Holly Schroet says that along with flexibility, Gen Zers need mentorship and some of the traditional structure of the workplace.
0: I don't think it's going to be sustainable to have everybody remote, especially in these complex organizations. I've talked to a lot of people about this because they see, yes, it's convenient to be at home, but they're not as productive. They're missing out on uh, being able to just work more effectively with others
3: remote or in-person, Gen Z has different expectations of how they want to work and what work means to them. Here's Hannah again.
1: Out of all the jobs I've had in my life, from, you know, teenager to now, I've enjoyed the jobs most where there's like a committed mentorship and there's a leaning towards like creative exploration. I work nine and 10 hour days and I think like my quality of life I would be fine doing that if I had those things in a job. I think it would make it worth it. I think sometimes it's not always about like how many hours we work, but how many hours of what we're doing makes such a big difference. I know it's like kind of like simple enough to say, but you know, it makes a huge difference.
2: Thanks for listening to the Best New Ideas in Money. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating or review. And if you have ideas for future episodes, drop us a line at at marketwatch.com. Thanks to Callum Borshers, Rainsford Stoffer, Terry Nguyen, Holly Schrode, Francis, Hannah, Stevie, and Rob Mead. To learn more about Gen Z in the workplace, head to marketwatch.com. I'm Stephanie Kelton.
3: And I'm Charles Passy. The Best New Ideas and Money is a podcast for MarketWatch, produced by Best Case Studios. Suzanne Myers is our producer. Our associate producer is Hannah liebwitz lockard The executive producer for Best Case Studios is Adam Pinkus. For MarketWatch, Melissa Haggerty is the executive producer, and the producers are Meta Lutsoft and Katie Ferguson. Jeremy Binks is our news editor, and Tim Roston is the executive editor for MarketWatch. Megan aftermat mixed this episode. The best new ideas and money theme was composed by Sam Retzer. Stephanie Kelton is an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University and not part of the MarketWatch newsroom. We'll be back next week with another new idea.